Good morning. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could be with us today. Independence Day seems to spark more than just fireworks. Food is a big part of festivities. Maybe you've already started prepping food for your cookouts and parties later today. And I hope you're not too hungry just yet, because right now we're going to listen back to a conversation about fire-grilled jerk chicken, braised oxtail, and curry vegetables. Those are just some of the items on the menu at Pimento Jamaican Kitchen in Minneapolis. And soon you'll have more opportunities to eat these delicious dishes. The restaurant is opening two new locations later this summer, one on Wabasha Street in downtown St. Paul, and one at the new pavilion at Bede Makaska in Minneapolis along the chain of lakes. Tommy Beavis is the owner of Pimento Jamaican Kitchen, and he's much more than that. He's a community leader who founded Pimento Relief Services, an organization that aims to support and uplift communities of color here in the Twin Cities. And Tommy started the Pimento Political Action Committee. A few weeks ago, he sat down with NPR News guest Nina Morney to share his story. Here's Nina. Tommy Beavis, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much Thank for having you. me, Nina. This is going to be great. I'm so, you know, I'm fortunate today that my job is just to talk to somebody who has accomplished a lot, but who's had a lot of meaning mm, behind everything kind. that you've done. You so I'm, I'm very excited to just soak up some of your wisdom. And when we were planning for the show, we're like, where do we even start? Because you've done a <laughs> lot. You're busy. But why don't we just kind of take it back to the beginning? Uh, Kingston, Jamaica. Uh, mm. I, I read a lot about you and uh, cooking with your grandmother mm. and just the influence that she had on you, what was that like? What was she like? Wow. We're starting with Babylou. All the way back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My grandmother, Babylou, was a gregarious, amazing, strong spirit of a black queen Mm. empress in the heart Mm. of Bob Marley's West Kingston. Mm. Right. And so she grew up around hardworking people, creatives. And so she learned as a young woman how to build her own empire Mm. because she had kids. My father was her first at about 16. And so she had to figure out how to raise a child, raise a man, Mm. raise a black king in Kingston Mm. during some of the most volatile periods in Jamaica's history. And she... She eventually started off selling postcards on the street, on King Street, downtown Kingston. Mm -hmm. And by the time I came around, she was selling um, Clark's shoes, which is like the national shoes of Jamaica. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what she used to build her empire. And when I came around, she had grown from a built an empire from the from the the the, the dirt of mm. West Kingston, right to where she had was living in in upper upper class communities, and it was just amazing to see a woman in that era walk into a bank with a duffel bag full of cash, <laughs> right? Because of then back then yes. it wasn't credit cards, right? Mm-hmm. And we'd be escorted to the bank manager's office where we'd sit there and the bank manager would be off having people count the money and we're talking business. Yeah. And there I am as a child sitting at her feet or sit, right? Just be experiencing that in, a, in, the, in the largest banks in the heart of the capital city. So she was just an inspiration. And when, when little Tommy was, you know, cooking with her, what were some of the things that you loved to make? Like, tell us a little bit about Jamaican food. And then, and, you know, some of that's probably all on your menu now, too. Right. So my grandmother, Babylou, 
because we are in the heart of the city, Kingston is set up whereby downtown is where you'll get the markets, the bazaars. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll go to Coronation Market, which was named after Queen Victoria's Coronation, right? And you would have spices from all over the country, whether it's St. Andrew Skellion or Time from St. Elizabeth or Scotch Bonnet Pepper from Manchester, you mm-hmm. know, and those different flavors would come to the city. People would then buy from various vendors and take them out to their little community. Now your stall has several different items because you went to Kingston. And so having that in our backyard allowed us to have access to the best of the best in terms of flavors. And mm. and when you talk about fish, right, my family also had fishing boats. Um, but it was the, the commercial fishing boats that would go out and get the, the fish from Pedro Key, which is off the south coast of Jamaica, between Jamaica and Honduras. Mm. Right. And they'd um, come back in with the best tropical fish one could imagine. Of course, snapper, kingfish, doctor fish, wenchman, you know, parrotfish, the parrotfish that eats the coral. You know, we would get all of that fresh being delivered to our home, off our boats, lobsters, crab. I remember as a kid in the kitchen having crabs fresh running around in the kitchen. Right. And scared of them, of course. <laughs> and uh, and so we had a greater appreciation for food. And the beauty about it is when we were preparing these dishes, it wasn't simply for our family dinner. It was for our community dinner. So we would then package up the food. And if business needed to be done with a custom officer, we're showing up to the customs officer's (laughs) building with a nice pirate dish of (laughs) freshest snapper fish the city has to offer. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And who's going to say no with that big plate of food? Yeah. Or if someone were, if, if there was pain, we would be sending food to folks. Mm-hmm. I'd be showing up to prison. Excuse me, not arriving there. Right, just arriving visiting. Arriving <laughs> because in Jamaica, even at prisons, the way how they do it is families can bring food and supplies freely because it then cheap, it's cheaper for the government to maintain such facilities. Mm-hmm. So then you'd, you'd, you'd package up boxes of food to bring to people who are incarcerated. Mm-hmm. And, um, so a healing mechanism. Oh, absolutely. Really? Food is healing. Exactly. And so how did that translate to your restaurants now and and the food that's on your menu? Like, what can people expect to experience? At Pimenta Jamaican Kitchen, what we've done is we've taken the best of Jamaican flavors and we've we've coupled them with, say, French trained techniques. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what this is what we call the future of flavor. Right. So where you can get your jerk chicken that you one could expect in Kingston, mm-hmm. served over coconut rice and beans, mm. sweet fried plantains and some island slaw with amazing sauces on the side. We have five key sauces ranging from the no heat neutralizer, which if somebody were to find the flavors too spicy, the neutralizer neutralizes the heat because it's a bit mm. of sweet onion gastric to tone down that flavor. Then we even have the Jamaican jerk barbecue that we created specifically for the local market called Minnesota Nice. Oh, sure. Yeah. So you're kind of breeding and, and kind of uh, mixing cultures. Yes. And that's kind of the secret. And and I love that. And I think that uh, it's probably a good time. Let's go to Aaron in Minneapolis. Let's uh, I mean, I'm super hungry now. Not usually barbecue at 9 a.m., but you, you've got us there. So let's take a break with Aaron here in Minneapolis from the Standish neighborhood. Aaron, hi there. Hi. 
Hi. Yeah, Want to tell us about in. your place? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, put out a, a, a shout to Standish Cafe in South Minneapolis. Okay. It is a local um, neighborhood restaurant, best food, best coffee, and truly a place to, to gather and stand in line. Um, if there is a wait, you definitely don't mind waiting, talking, and getting mm. to know the, the people in the neighborhood. So it's just a great community place. Wonderful. Thank you, Erin. Mm. Yeah, and you you know, you hear it there. People have their neighborhood staples. People have uh, places of different cultures that they're just like going to experience for the first time. And so there's such a mix and such a breadth here in the Twin Cities already. What is your take on sort of the Twin Cities food scene and, and how it's evolving and growing? I am excited for the Twin Cities food scene, mm-hmm. right? Because I'll just even use each street where Pimenta is located on Nicolette. Mm-hmm. I would pick up the phone in the afternoon and call my wife there and be like, all right, what do we have for dinner? I'd look across the street. I can get some pho from two different spaces, yeah. right? Then you can get some some Thai. Then you can look at a corner, see a German restaurant. You can grab pizza. You can grab breakfast food. You can grab donuts. Then you look down the street, some Trinidadian food, you know? So yeah. just even being able to stand on one street corner and find that many options, mm-hmm. it, it, it says that we're doing something right and if nothing else we're accurately reflecting america the mm-hmm. microcosm of the world itself right here through our palettes where one can enjoy even some afro deli right down the street from where we are yeah. here at npr exactly. you know? so so minnesota is it's holding its own and changing I'm, demographics oh, uh, lots of cultures melding together what was behind your decision to to leave jamaica and to come to the u.s Interestingly enough, I came here for college. Okay. So I went to the University of South Florida. I lived in Miami-Dade, where I went to Miami-Dade Community College. And um, mm-hmm. my undergrad was economics and political science. And my option was to go back to Jamaica and figure out how to help build a family empire or go into politics or whatever it is in Jamaica. But then I'm like, well, let's see what career opportunities will pop up here. And so I applied for and got hired to be an intern in Washington. Oh, wow. So I moved from Tampa to DC, where I knew no one, mm-hmm. and um, and and worked at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, where we helped to build the Center for Corporate Citizenship, getting folks engaged from the corporate level into community, into charity, into philanthropy, into corporate governance, into into e- what we're calling ESG now, into sustainability. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we created from that because it, it was Friday after nine eleven collaborated with several business leaders and the White House and then even created Business Strengthening America, which was an, an effort, a campaign to get a thousand businesses to sign on to community efforts. And and from that, my career just continued going in the direction of corporate philanthropy, community engagement, and thus being yeah. recruited to come to Minnesota. And so I read that you worked in corporate settings for quite some time mm-hmm. and you were trying to balance doing the food thing as well. Um, at what point did you decide to kind of shift to, to this full-time food scene? Interestingly enough, I was enjoying my dream corporate job, leading corporate responsibility on mm-hmm. six continents and, you know, volunteerism and all that. That was that was a dream job. And still, I would miss home. I would miss mm-hmm. culture. I'd miss my family. I'd miss my grandmother, Babel, and her cooking. And so I, um, if I wasn't gardening to, to, to decompress, I'd then fire up the grill and start cooking. Yeah. And um, through that cooking Neighbors would come over, 
corporate colleagues would come over, my business school friends would come over from the Carson School of Management, big up, big up, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And they and and they're the ones who helped me test out this concept with that $99 tent and my backyard grill. Literally my business school friends, my yeah. corporate friends volunteered yeah. with me on the streets to go test out our product. And then that's when we got casted for in one a Food Network reality show a year after that, Food Network's Food Court Wars. Oh, right? I love this. I need to know about this because those shows are so fun and <laughs> everyone's fun. running around and they're oh, yeah. sweating and it's so intense. Uh, what was that experience like at the Burnsville Center, right? Yep, yep, yep. Um, so the, it is as intense and the beauty of it is running around and trying to cook foods that would take 24 hours to even just marinate. Right. <laughs> to try to figure out how to make rice and beans in one hour. It's not normally or ever done. But because of our street experience, where imagine being at the Uptown Art Fair, where you have 100 people down line, mm-hmm. and you have to figure out how to make rice and beans on the spot. You do some innovative methods and you figure out how to make it quickly and efficiently and tasting as authentically as it can. And then that's what gave us the the edge uh, in being able to cook a complex Jamaican menu so quickly. And then on top of it, because of those same street events, we had a following and that community also showed up. So so many people from the Twin Cities showed up to support us. And that's how we end up winning Right, that what that's what gave us the edge, and so we got the, our location and the Burnsville Center. I stayed in my corporate job for a whole year just to see how it would go, and mm-hmm. I had an amazing team, and still do have amazing team members building Pimento while I am off causing good trouble, mm-hmm. and they're the ones who built it. And then when 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 it was time for when it needed me to be able to kick my MBA into gear and figure out how to grow the company, that's when I knew it was time for me to step away. And so I stepped away and focused on helping to grow Pimento. And this is about 11 years to, ago, yep, 10 to, years well, ago. Well, 2014. Okay, yes. Yeah, yes. so almost a decade ago. Yes. I'm curious about, it's just beautiful, the success that you've had and you're going to be expanding. We know it's been a challenging few years, especially in the restaurant business. And restaurants are always challenging mm-hmm. to maintain and sustain. What do you think uh, your secret has been? What do, what do you think has been the secret to that success and longevity? Let's talk about the challenges a bit more so sure. people can understand. So yeah. in order to run any business, one needs capital, mm-hmm. right? Capital mm-hmm. is never available for people of color, yeah. for immigrants of color, for immigrants of color trying to start businesses, for black people trying to start restaurants, capital just isn't there. Because it's not generational wealth a lot of the time, and there's different practices within banking that Mm -hmm. make it harder. Right. So the challenge itself um, is great, even just on the capital space. Mm -hmm. But thankfully, I had savings from my corporate days, and that's what helped me to generate my own revenue to help get started. And we also launched a Kickstarter campaign where the community, community again, stepped up and supported us and helped us raise the funds to get going. So the capital area, I'd say, I'd advise people to um, know that there are different ways to get it, and definitely starting small, taking your 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 wares in your trunk or whatever way you can sell it. You know, so what is your jerk chicken that you can start selling small on the street to start generating your own revenue and generating your following. And also perfecting your systems and your processes, right? Because mm-hmm. that helps one grow. And no matter what challenge is coming at us, I'm like, please, I, I've fed a thousand people in one day with a grill. 
<laughs> right? right? Starting from scratch. So giving me an oven, a grill, fryers and all that, I'm like, oh, bring it. And so that's, and you know, and so because of those things that we learned from those early days, we've used that to build systems to ensure that we can meet the demand in a sustainable manner. The other piece of it is community, yeah. right? So the community has always shown up for us. And we show up for our community when we can. And um, as a result of it, during our toughest days, our community shows up to support us. And that's what helps us to be sustainable. Yeah. Right? I think that's um, really beautiful, your focus on community and, and helping out. One of the things in, in different interviews with business owners that I've uh, experienced is they'll say, well, I brought something like new to the market or something that not a lot of people had tried, a different type of food. And a lot of people show up in the beginning when there's a lot of celebration and excitement, but it can be harder to sustain that customer base over time and really uh, broaden out those foods to a, a greater customer base here in Minnesota. What do you think about that? What's it like breaking into the Minnesota scene? I also read that you said you tried to speak a little less in your own accent and a little more in a Minnesotan accent, which don't do that. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> do not. Yeah. <laughs> your accent it. is great. Keep it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I mean, what was it like Minnesota scene specifically? Just kind of keeping that momentum going, right? So um, on the accent piece, interesting enough, those who know me thought that didn't know that I was Jamaican a lot of times until later in life, and so now I'm in the Jamaican space. My accent is much thicker, which oh, okay. that's thankful, right? Yeah. Um, but as it relates to the Minnesota style in particular, I'm, I I kind of have an advantage with the product that I'm selling, Brand Jamaica. Right. Who doesn't love brand Jamaica? Yeah. And then Minnesota has, interesting enough, a very strong relationship with Jamaica. One goes to Negril in January or February. Mm. It is littered with Minnesotans everywhere. Tourists, we yeah. literally have Minnesota flags flying in Negril. Right. And so the brand, so, so just having that unique product that people are naturally craving is helpful. And then I think the other thing, the other thing too is we also connected with Minnesota early on with surveys. So our very first event was at the Bryn Mawr Garage sale in my neighborhood where we gave away food for free hmm. in exchange for people completing surveys, Minnesotans completing surveys yeah. to tell us what they thought of Jamaican food. And, you know, it was this too spicy, it was this, that, that. Minnesotans were like, yeah, bring on the heat. I can, I, I have no problem with the heat. But they were confused by one thing, the notion of bones. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> they're, yeah, so they're like, I love this concept of jerk chicken, but this bone that I'm fighting through just isn't cutting it. And so we innovated and created boneless jerk chicken. So mm. the only Jamaican restaurant on the planet to offer boneless jerk chicken <laughs> and boneless jerk pork, right? Because Minnesotans, they, you know, but the beauty of it though is we still create, we still incorporated a lot of Minnesotan vibes through our entertainment where we brought, we, we always have local Minnesotan acts showing up. And so we've always been that safe space for all of Minnesota. Like Jamaica is, right? That safe space for all people mm -hmm. to come. Just chill, relax, don't worry, eat happy. I, I like that you're talking a little bit about how you have been able to incorporate your background in uh, political science, economics. It sounds like, you know, doing these surveys, getting creative, yep. <laughs> you know. And another creative uh, move that I read that you made 
was making um, a Grammy Award-winning Twin Cities singer, Jamisia Bennett, mm. hiring her on as your chief operating officer. Now, some people might think that's unconventional. What was it about her background and her experience that you thought brought her to the, the table for this? Queen Jamisia Bennett showed up in the heart of the uprising and the heart of pandemic mm-hmm. and offered to help because she has been supporting us since we were in the Burnsville Mall, mm-hmm. right? And so she came on board and... Um, Real quickly, I'm like, okay, who is this? She, <laughs> she, she has a strong business acumen and a strong entertainment background. And when coupled, she's perfect for the hospitality space. Um, and she's also run several, her and her partners and have run several major successful restaurants around town. And I did not know that was her secret. And so she's come on board and has helped elevate and lift and change the perspective and the ways in which we're running things and, She's just so amazing. We now have uh, uh, the confidence to be able to be like, all right, she can now focus on running the restaurant operations because she's helped to grow and build us so well to where I can then focus on the other side, right? The strategy for the corporation, where are we taking that? So how do we get into franchising? How do we continue to grow our sauces at Target? You can buy them now at Target and Target.com, right? So how do we grow our, how do we continue to grow our merchandising? And then what do we do in terms of our community space? So that allows me to then be doing other things and um, Pimento is in a great space where we have great team members and great community and great systems to be able to be sustainable and continue to run the day-to-day operations so we can continue to grow globally, right? Yeah, you're always thinking outside the box, it feels like. Tell me about your two newest locations, one at the Bede Makaska mm-hmm. Pavilion, one over here on Wabasha near us here in St. Paul. What was your thinking behind these locations? Because we know the downtowns have been a little bit sleepier mm-hmm. since the pandemic. It's important to try to support, right? Absolutely. And then, of course, everybody can't wait for the, the pavilion area to be up and running again. So, so what were your ideas behind those locations? It's, to be honest, a blessing, and I'm just following the path that is created because we knew we wanted to expand in St. Paul. We didn't know how, and yet, um, because of my work on the Business Resource Council for St. Paul, um, I'm learning about resources that the city of St. Paul has. And one of the programs that is that, that, that is in partnership with the business community is to find spaces that have been vacant. Mm-hmm to where people of color can come open up their businesses in the downtown St. Paul area. And so I learned about it, and we we, we quickly investigated and found a perfect space at 354 Wabasha, right down the street from NPR, right? And it's next to the Victory Parking. The space was left vacant from um, from COVID, and so mm-hmm. we went in and recognized that it was the perfect space. The setup, it was designed for us. It was like a taco space before, and now we're like, oh, from taco to Jamaican. And so we're <laughs> able to convert that. But what's even more beautiful is it because it's adjacent to the Victory parking ramp, the owners have allowed us to explore um, turning the rooftop into a patio. So Very what, fun. Right. So what we're thinking of doing is lifting our food truck, one of our food trucks, onto the roof to where one can get their jerk chicken as well as rum punch from that truck right there. Yeah. We'll ha- completely green the space so you can't even tell that you're in a parking space. Um, and uh, we'll build a stage where one can even chill, relax, and watch a movie on the lawn, right? Or one can come watch live entertainment right on the rooftop overlooking downtown St. Paul, overlooking the City Hall, overlooking the Mississippi River, right? So that 
that's what we're thinking of bringing to downtown St. Paul. And we know that where Pimenta goes, we really do bring the vibes. And we know that we'll be able to get people to come on out and come party with us downtown St. Paul. Yeah, it sounds like a great community space. What about the, the pavilion? The pavilion. Again, another blessing. We knew that uh, my brother, Louis King, has been running Lola's at the pavilion for um, a few years right. and then it got burnt down. Right. And so we have, Lewis and I have been friends since I first moved to Minnesota in 2006, where I was volunteering with United Way with him. Right. And so because of that relationship, our families have always kept in contact. And so when the opportunity came for them to rebuild and reopen, he decided that maybe it's time for somebody else to help take over that space and mm. so what we did was we collaborated and um, now we're collaborating together on what is t- not one but two spaces on the pavilion the large space is going to be pimented Jamaican kitchen where we'll be offering our regular jerk chicken oxtail curry goat you know mm-hmm. sweet fried plantains right and then we're offer also expanding that menu to yeah. offer fresh oysters and fried fish and uh, burgers even you know so, so, so because you're on the beach you should be yeah. able to enjoy some fresh fish while you're yeah. while you're eating some jerk chicken and while you're drinking a, a jerk uh, red stripe from our new beer wall that will also be on the lake so self-service beer wall right there as well right and then that's the the, the, the pimento side of it pimento kitchen side of it but then we're also building a pimento market oh, right great. and in this market the concept behind it is to same way how Pimento always wanted that, that, that access to the three plus million people walking around the lakes. We're not just doing it for ourselves. We're bringing along our village with us. Yeah. And in this market, what we're doing is we're providing spaces for other startup businesses to be able to sell their products within that market. So imagine the person who's selling their cheesecake or the person who's selling their cupcake mm-hmm. or the person who's selling their coconut water or their sea moss. You know, now yeah. they'll have an area to sell it and it doesn't have to be them maintaining it. We'll be able to help sell it for them. And so it's almost like the Dayton's Dayton store model downtown where Dayton's market. Yeah, paying it forward, uh, including new businesses. Yes. Um, we're about to take a quick news break, but real quick, what is the timeline on that? I can't wait for those to be up and running. With restaurant and with construction, we are working as quickly as possible. But what we're saying now is we're aiming for absolutely midsummer. You mentioned you have a background in political science, economics, working in the corporate world, and you've really brought a lot of that out um, really in the past few years. Next week, we're coming up on mm-hmm. the three-year mark of the death of George Floyd. And right after that happened, you know, a lot was going on with the pandemic and everything. You really stepped up to provide a space for people. Can you bring us back to that time? What did it mean for you personally? I think personally, that moment when George Floyd was lynched before our eyes reminded me of when I was in Kingston and saw Amadou Diallo be shot 40 plus times Mm. in New York City. And I'm like, wait, that's a thing still? Mm. Trayvon Martin was lynched and we're like, wait, that's a thing still? That thing happened within our town, right? Um, And even when, um, before Florida was lynched, I was out there with the community because I see myself in it. And interestingly enough, before George Floyd was lynched, right here in this same studio at NPR, I did a piece 
on how much I love my neighborhood, how much I started mm-hmm. my own business with neighbors, and yet I am afraid of taking out my trash after dark because if the wrong neighbor were to see me, what would that be like yeah. in Minnesota before George Floyd? So real fear. Mentioned? Real natural fear. Yeah. And so um, when the video came out, I'm like, no, I'm not watching it. And then my father, who was in New York at the time, called and was like, yo, what's going on in Minnesota? I'm like, oh, well, let me check this out. I took my phone. I went to the garage and watched the video and allowed myself to just bawl. Hmm. Right. And then the following morning was my birthday. Mm. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, all right, so I'm going to go to work and go figure out what needs to get done. On my birthday, and, my, and I'm like, since Pimento has been that safe space where the mayor and the city leaders and the activists and the business leaders come every single day, these are our friends. Can we sit together and talk about what went wrong and how do we fix this? Yeah. And I went to the to our employees and and had the grand idea of, yes, let's talk about this. They're like, no, we don't want to talk to anyone. Hmm. Yeah, right? it's hard to have to spring into action. Right. You just need to be grieving. They were hurt. Yeah. And they said we were also hungry mm-hmm. because, again, we live in the food capital of the planet here in Minnesota. And we also live in a food desert. Hmm. Right. People didn't have and people still don't today have access to food throughout our state. Yes. Today. And so we're like, all right, well, let's go ahead and do a food drive and get some cases of water to send to people. And we put out the call and within 48 hours, the restaurant was overwhelmed with the generosity of Minnesotans stepping up to take care of one another. And we end up closing the restaurant side for a few days just to focus on organizing all the donations we got and the community sprung into action and they built their own food shelf. All I did was provide the space and support wherever we can. But the community is the one who stepped up and said, we're better than this and we can support each other and lift up each other. So we did the food drive thing. We did healing days and all of that. Mm-hmm. We painted the ply boards. Um, and then um, we did have our summit where we brought together um um, Mayor Fry was there. Thank you for showing up. As well as um, uh, Andrea Jenkins was there, City Council President. You know, as well as other corporate leaders, and the nonprofit leaders, and the and the activists were there. You know, um, and we had good conversations, and we recognized that there's a need to provide resources for those on the front lines of liberation, and they themselves created Pimento Relief Services and named it such. All right, to provide resources for those on the front lines of economic liberation. So how do we provide resources? Um, so you're starting your business. How do you get access to capital? Um, how do we create our own black banks? Yeah. Right. Social liberation. How do we address food insecurity in the food headquarters of the world? Mm-hmm. Social justice. Yeah. And then healing as part of that social liberation, because we have to heal through the pain. And then political liberation. How do we find people who are reflecting our values? How do we support them? How do we show up to support them? Right? So literally ask your politician, how are you doing? How do we support you? 
right? Because usually we show up and we're wagging the finger at them. <laughs> and yet we, and, and yet even in contributions, how are we supporting them financially? And so that's why we created Pilot, our Pimento Political Action Committee to collect donations from our community and then to use that to support candidates um, who, who are doing the work on the front lines. And when you're doing that work, I did want to make sure and just mention your family because is some of that uh, social work, uh, community work, is that for your for your children as well? <sighs> wow, you brought the family into it now. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, has to be. It has to be because um, I've never raised a black man in America, hmm. and so I have a beautiful son, Derek the Fourth, <laughs> and an amazing six year old daughter, Genesis. And an amazing wife, Dara, who is a book publisher at Wising Creative Publishing. Mm -hmm. And she's out there on the front lines. The kids are out there on the front lines. And it's not by choice, but it's because it's our community, right? Um, The kids go to school on the same Nicolette Avenue where where Pimento is located Mm -hmm. in Minneapolis. And um, they see the food, the people standing in line at the church trying to get food every single morning. Yeah, there's food insecurity and and restaurants, our local restaurants here are really critical because you all really are a part of the community as well. You're raising your children here. And that actually makes me think of, we have someone on the line here, Ed from Brainerd. Uh, Good morning, Ed. What did you want to share? Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my call. And just wanted to mention, um, Sage on Laurel and Brainerd. In the interest of full disclosure, it's owned by my wife. <laughs> okay. <laughs> big up, big up. I would yeah. think it was, even if she didn't own it. She grows some of her own food and planters kind of along the outside of the patio. It's, it's downtown in Brainerd, kind of in the cool little historic part of town. And so a, a cool place, very plugged into the community and wonderful food. What type of food and what is she growing? Oh, grows a little of you. Yeah, I haven't seen everything planted this year, but, you know, there's usually... Some tomatoes, various kinds of herbs, mm. things that a lot of things that can be used in the restaurant. Some like sunflowers that are just kind of cool, cool looking in general. Um, the food does breakfast and lunch. I, I'm so ignorant of the restaurant business, even though my wife's in it. But it's, <laughs> you know, your kind of typical breakfast and brunch type food. You know, it's it's a pretty good a good variety of things. It's not you know they're very well done and creative. She designs most of the menu items, so it's. It's very good stuff. There's, very you know, good. Vegetarian, vegan options. Sage, wow. Sage on Lauren and Brainerd. Big shout out to uh, them. Thank you so much, Ed. You've done your good husband duty for the day, too. That's right. <laughs> Let's go to uh, McDonald in St. Paul. Hi, good morning. Good morning. What restaurant did you want to share? Well, I wanted to share about uh, the Jumbo Africa restaurant. I'm Love sure Jumbo. Probably most of the Jumbo Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I would say it's partly owned or owned by a Liberian. I'm from West Africa. I'm from Liberia. And I was just sharing that I love the the potato leaves, the sweet potato leaves. We call it potato grains. Mm. Um, it can be cooked with uh, palm oil or vegetable oil. Um, and so I just wanted to say, give a shout out to Jumbo Africa restaurant there in Brooklyn Center. And I also want to say I've been to Pimento. I go down the weekends. Big up, big up. Big up. I love the good curry. Mm. Also, with my wife yesterday, I said, you know, we went to the U.S. Virgin Island and we mm. had something similar. And, and I just like the, the connection between Jamaican food and West African food. Well, foods are similar 
Uh, the, the seasonings are similar. And so a big shout out to Pimento as well. Absolutely. I love Jumbo itself. The rice over there is phenomenal. And as you mentioned, the flavors mm. at Pimento, Jumbo, and also throughout the diaspora, even though we've been removed from the motherland, the food and the flavors still remain within us as well as the spirit within us. So thank you so much for that, Absolutely. my brother. Absolutely. Thank you, McDonald, for calling I mean, how important is community in in commercial success, Tommy, do you think? For those who know, know that community is commercial Mm -hmm. success, Mm -hmm. right? For those who don't believe that, if you think of it, we don't want to support those folks or we want to keep those folks out of our spaces, you're missing the opportunity. And when one thinks of America and America reaching her full potential, mm-hmm. we can't reach her our full potential until we can all play equally and fairly in an equitable, economically equitable society. Right? So if, if we will if you think of a household, a household can function at its full potential if we're not all contributing. And so I, that's why I, community is so important to me, especially bringing community along as we're building this, because we can all build this together. And Minnesota has the the people, we have the resources, we have the know-how. And so I'm saying, let's build a model city in these twin cities, mm-hmm. right? Because we have the resources to solve these issues. I mean, this is a, we're in a special time. And mm-hmm. as our state is growing and changing and there's there's room, there there needs to be more room and there is room. For, for that growth, what advice do you have to people who might want to start something new or a business, or maybe they just don't feel like they have the confidence yet? What does it take? You uh, obviously had inspiration in your grandmother, but right. some people don't know any entrepreneurs. I would say the number one thing is stick to witness, <laughs> as mm-hmm. it is called, right? Because it's going to be rough. You're going to have good days and you're going to have better days. And enjoy the journey. I swear, I don't know what to expect today, but I know that I'm going to try my best to enjoy the journey of what today brings. Um, And it's easier said when one has access to capital. So in terms of capital, um, even when doors are closed in one's faces or or people try to strip away one's dignity and embarrass one with a lack of support, don't worry, man. Every little thing is going to be all right. We're going to keep working towards our passion. We're going to find creative ways to connect with community and seek support from community while we support community because together is how we've been able to build Pimento and together is how we're going to continue to grow Pimento. So I'd say stick to itness and and bringing that community along. But then the other piece of it, I guess, is be be free be free to be free. Right. So if you're thinking that you're going to be creating cupcakes or you're going to go launch your next AI business, feel free to be free while building that which you're called because it's yours and it is your mistake to make and it is yours to build. And and sometimes it's going to feel like you're running a, a sailboat that is falling apart and you're having one hand holding one sail and the other hand trying to hold some ropes together and, and you're just trying to get that sailboat to the, to the land. And that's okay because you're going to make it as long as you just keep persevering and try to play as smart as one can in this space because the resources are out there. Um, and, 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 even where there is no opportunity, let us create it for ourselves and for each other. It takes a lot, right? It takes a lot. I mean, what about 
yourself. Sometimes it's easy when you see someone who's found success to think that it was all roses. Was there ever a time where you experienced maybe a failure? I know that's a harsh word Mm -hmm. or or a redirection because those can sometimes be just as important. I have a fun one for you. Okay. (laughs) It was Thanksgiving 2012. I had just got off the first summer off Pimento on the streets. And we thought we were going to be innovative and partner with Groupon to provide 100 Thanksgiving meals to families around 20-mile radius of St. Paul. And we're going to create jerk excuse me, a jerk turkey and like 10 sides and deliver to people's houses on Thanksgiving. What an epic failure that was. <laughs> Definitely put my hat where I couldn't reach it. Knew, knew nothing about making jerk turkeys on the spot, let alone making a hundred of them. And knew nothing about delivering to a 20-mile radius. And that was horrific in multiple ways, multiple failures. And the lesson I learned from that is sometimes people just want the meat. Hmm. That's what a customer said. We we saw what ta- what what was going on, and we wanted to support. And all I wanted was the meat. Hmm. So I had I figured out how to think smarter instead of trying to create ten sides and delivering. I could have just simply offered jerk turkey and let people come pick them up, and it would have been a successful day. Back to basics. Back sometimes. to basics. Sometimes. Yeah, that's yes. a good story. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Let's quick go to uh, Erica, who's been waiting patiently in Minneapolis. Good morning, Erica. What did you want to share? Good morning. Hi, I'm uh, enjoying the show. Thank and, you. Um, I want to give a big shout out to Hoa Bien. Okay. Um, Hoa Bien, it's a Vietnamese restaurant that's been uh, at university and um, uh, and uh, Lexington. Uh, Lexington. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Lexington for years and years, and they were my favorite place to go for quite a while, mm. you know, for some of those years. And I didn't know if they had survived the pandemic, but they have. They are open in the same location, slightly smaller dining room, and um, it's, a, it's a very family-friendly place. Uh, when I was there recently for lunch, there were, you know, uh, families and friends and gatherings of uh, uh, apparently mostly uh, Asian descent people. Um, and uh, my friends and I were are white, and um, everybody was enjoying some tremendous food. They are so good. They're even better than they were before the pandemic, in my opinion. So let's 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 patronize. Yeah. And what did you enjoy eating there? Well, uh, I they, they do have. I mean, you know, there's there's uh, 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 there's uh, egg rolls, and you know, every place has egg rolls, but they are really good, mm-hmm. um, really crisp, good dip. And then I had, uh, I don't know the name of it, something I had never had. Um, it's kind of an egg pancake mm. that uh, is folded up, and it's it's huge. It like, is more than the plate, bigger than the plate, and is folded up with herbs and, and so forth. And then mine had um, shrimp and pork mm. um, in it. It was, uh, when they, I had, you know, I had no idea really even what it would look like. And so when they brought this huge egg crispy edged uh, egg pancake uh, on a plate i was like wow oh my gosh yummy. and um it, yeah it was truly yummy so i recommend them highly hoa bien uh in saint hoa paul bien. along university and lexington thank you lexington. for calling and thank sharing you. that erica dedicated customer thank you so coming off of, you know, what Erica's saying and, and people experiencing things, she's like, I'm white, I'm experiencing this different type of food. It feels like we already have a lot of diversity in our food scene here, 
but it feels like not everyone is seen at the same level or getting the same amount of like exposure. What is your hope for the the future of of the the Twin Cities and the state beyond when it comes to different types of food? You know what's interesting about Twin Cities, right? It's people love having their little secret spots that they like. Yeah, it's yeah. so weird. So how do we even overcome that? Because mm-hmm. every, they're like, like, don't tell anybody. Right, again. <laughs> that's the challenge. So I'm like, oh, do I tell people about Cup of Java or, or, or La Mesa in Britain? Yeah. Right? And, uh, and people like talking about their, oh, I'm going to show them my little pimento that nobody's ever heard of. So overcoming that and sharing that, th- those, those with, with your friends and with people you don't even like, yeah. you know, go ahead and promote restaurants and Share the stories that, that about your favorite foods there, uh, as opposed to trying to keep it a secret. So I think that's step one. Then step two, I think one of the things that um, I'd recommend for restaurateurs is to um, definitely use their social media as best as possible mm. and use it to engage people, not just to advertise, but to be a part of conversations, right? Um, and then the uh, and then naturally get folks coming in to support their social media efforts, and then try to find earned media opportunities like this that we're doing here, mm-hmm. where something new is happening at the restaurant, local journalists want to hear about it, yeah. right? So if you're trying something new with your crispy egg plate that was just described, where you now you're trying a different herb, share it with the local journalists. They're really amazing. The food journalists here in the Twin Cities are phenomenal in supporting small and unknown companies. Absolutely. Um, we're winding down with just a few minutes left. I wanted to make sure that I, I knew what your favorite food on your menu was Ooh. at Pimento that you, you think people just have to check out. So I would definitely say my favorite is the Tommy Sampler. <laughs> right? Oh, okay. So, Named after guess right. who? <laughs> right. But it's, but it's not even on the menu, interesting enough. It's a oh. top secret thing. Going back to the Minnesota Ooh, top breaking secret, right? News. Breaking news. <laughs> it, is a, it is a sampling of all the items so you can get a bit of jerk chicken, jerk pork, curry veggies, some oxtail, curry goat, all on one plate. But one has to know to go there and ask for it. Mm-hmm. But actually printed on the menu, my favorite is curry goat because it takes me back home to one of the first things that I learned to cook, which is goat, where I remember marinating it and asking, well, how do you know when you've rubbed the, the seasoning into the goat enough? The response was, don't worry, you'll know. Right? I, mm. I remember still smelling the onions that were sitting on the goat from overnight when you open it up and you just get that woof of onions and garlic and curry. You know, so that's what, that goat is one of my favorites. But, the interesting part is I love seeing grandmas from Egan fly over to Pimento, <laughs> whether it's downtown St. Paul or over in Minneapolis, looking for their oxtail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's interesting to see how well Minnesotans have welcomed and appreciated the flavors of Jamaica right here at Pimento Jamaican Kitchen and Rumbar. Yeah. Uh, my my shout out is to Caspian uh, mm. restaurant uh, on the Twin Cities campus of the University of Minnesota, which is Iranian food, and Ooh. my family's from Iran, so Wonderful. I grew up going there a lot, and and they're still uh, open and kicking. But you mentioned your grandmother a lot. You know, she's been such an influential uh, figure in your life, and I know she's she's since passed on. But what do you think that she would think of just all of your success? Before she passed, she had experience of no of watching her show and her story on TV. And one of the things that she reminds me of and that stays with me is, Tommy, don't let them change you. Hmm. Right? And, and I remember she would always say that I didn't get it. And I think when I recognize the difficulties of stuff, when I recognize the challenges in corporate and when I recognize the challenges in our community, I'm like, 
no, this isn't right. Or no, this is how I, what I think it should be like. No, this is what I'm going to test out. And I remember her saying, don't let them change it. So that's why I try to encourage people that it's free. It's okay to be free. Tommy Beavis, this has been such a delightful conversation. <laughs> Tommy Beavis of Pimento Jamaican Kitchen. You got, give me real quick your three locations. We're at 2524 Nicolet on each street, and we're at the Keg and Case Market. And soon we're going to be at Wabashaw, downtown St. Paul, and on Lake Bide Makaska. That's Tommy Beavis of Pimento Jamaican Kitchen talking to NPR News guest host Nina Morning. Tommy is opening two new locations of his restaurant this summer. This conversation was produced by Danelle Cloutier. Have a great 4th of July and be safe, everybody. We'll talk again tomorrow morning at 9. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.